It's March 2020. Welcome to another episode of Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest news, happenings, and announcements from museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Lorenda. And I'm Ryan. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Victoria Classic Boat Festival to return to Inner Harbor after two-year hiatus. Anticipation is building for the Victoria Classic Boat Festival, which is set to return to the Inner Harbor after a two-year hiatus. Organizers with Maritime Museum of BC expect to host 100 classic boats and 10,000 people for the festival's 43rd year. Quote, we'll have the Inner Harbor open for visitors to wander around the boat, said Museum Events and Development Coordinator Anya Baker. Quote, some will allow visitors to visit the vessels. This year's festivals include a costume contest, a sail pass, and a visit from the XBC Forest Service Vessel Squadron, which will show off its fleet. The festival takes place over Labor Day weekend, September 2nd through 4th. The flood-themed exhibition, Quoquo, High Water, opened Thursday evening with a reception at the Chilliwack Museum. Quoquo means high water in Hunkaminam, and the title also makes reference to the cyclical flooding on Sumas Prairie, museum curator Kate Feltran explained in her opening remarks. The massive lake that once covered the area was known as Sumas Lake in English, Feltran said. If you move through the exhibition, Quoquo, you will discover the history of the lake. It's significant to the Stolo people, the events leading to the lake's draining, and the subsequent impacts on the Stolo and the environment. The idea for the exhibition was percolating prior to the devastating flooding that hit the region after back-to-back atmospheric rivers last fall. The exhibition was conceptualized before the major weather events of November 2021, during which extremely heavy rain caused the Nooksack River to overflow into the Sumas Prairie, causing a breach in the Sumas River dike. During that month, our community experienced firsthand the possibility of the return of the lake, Feltrin said. One of the display panels was a 1930 advertisement in the Chilliwack Progress from the Vancouver-based sales agents offering the newly cleared and level land for $127 per acre. Now you can buy Sumas farmland at a price and on terms that cannot be duplicated anywhere for land of such quality, accessibility, and marketed facilities. Part of the rationale for draining Sumas Lake was to stop the regular flooding as well as to create farmland. Years of development, great expenditures, and and expert planning have finally produced this 8,700 acres of magnificent farmland, according to the ad. The drainage plan was eventually enacted in the early 1920s, however, which went ahead despite decades of objections raised by Stoller leadership, according to the panel info. Draining the lake permanently altered the Stoller way of life, with the emergence of what is now Sumas Prairie between Chilliwack and Abbotsford, Feltrin said. Seasonal flooding had helped to support a vast array of plants, animals, and human life in the once thriving wetlands surrounding the lake. Some of the artifacts that helped visitors imagine the area before and after the draining of Sumas Lake included a canoe panel, dip net, reed mat, as well as a sandbag from the Great Flood of 1948, and Red Cross first aid equipment. Visitors could also get a look at some of the wildlife that would have populated the lake and area. Feltrin offered thanks and appreciation to Stolo Library and Archives, Great Blue Heron Nature Reserve, and the Reach Gallery Museum for assisting with the development of the exhibition. Please check out the exhibition. It's available at Chillac Museum and runs until June 4th. Northwest Projects among recipients of a $10 million Provincial Heritage Grant. A total of 92 projects and 54 communities were part of the 150 Time Immemorial Grant Program. Heritage BC announced the recipients of $10 million in provincial grants aimed to support cultural heritage infrastructure, awareness, and community planning projects across the province. As part of the 150 Time Immemorial Grant Program, 
The funding will support 92 projects across 54 communities throughout the province, out of which 15 of these projects fall in the Chaco, North Coast, Northeast, and Caribou regions. Quote, Heritage BC is excited to connect with many organizations and local governments who might not have considered themselves aligned with heritage, yet their projects are responding to the values of reconciliation, diversity, and resilience. The values very important to the modern context of heritage, said Kirsten Clausen, Executive Director of Heritage BC, in a statement. On the North Coast, seven projects will receive just over $1 million for infrastructure, planning, and awareness programs. The Pemberton District Museum and Archive Society is on the hunt for a new curator and executive director as Nikki Madigan prepares to step down after 14 years in the role. Madigan has brought a unique skill set to the museum. Her strengths include leadership, organizational skills, integrity, and youth mentoring, as well as her dedication to her work chronicling the history of Pemberton in the area, said Museum President and Chair Brenda McLeod in a release, adding that it has been a tremendous privilege and honor to work alongside Nikki and to learn the workings of our museum from her. The impact of the incredible work she has done will be felt at the museum for generations to come. Nikki's responsibilities at the site, which today counts five historic buildings and three modern builds among its structures, include handling the museum's policies and procedures, archiving, developing programming and events, and writing grants to name just a few. Prior to officially hopping on board as curator and director, Nikki spent six years volunteering for the organization as a director on the museum's board. She remembers one board, board meeting in particular where a debate about whether to buy a computer was raging. I just thought the museum was a treasure that not a lot of people seem to know about, which I thought was amazing, she recalled. Nikki will officially leave the position later this spring, before the 2022 museum operational year begins in May. While she admits there's no right time to move on from the community she's called home since 1995, Nikki and her partner have de decided to relocate back to their hometown in the Ottawa Valley to be closer to family. To read the full interview with Nikki, click the link in the description. Century-old plus bottles bring Metro Vancouver Chinese workers' history to light. Port Coquitlam Heritage Museum staff and volunteers uncover artifacts from the late 19th century and early 20th century, from vessels for wines and sauces to medicines and perfumes. Some long-lost century-old glassware is shedding light on Metro Vancouver history. That's what POCO Heritage Museum and Archives staff and young volunteers found out when they recently pried open some sealed boxes that have been stuffed in the attic of a Port Coquitlam fire hall. The wine and sauce bottles and glass vials for various medicines embossed with Chinese characters offer a glimpse at how Chinese laborers, mostly men separated from their families, coped and thrived in the Lower Mainland in the late 19th and early 20th century. There's a jar with Chinese characters on it advertising a San Francisco-based brand of fermented tofu. There are tiny containers that held various liquids and pills for treating heat stroke. There is a wine bottle marked with Wing Li Wai, once the largest wine distillery in China. Quote, I speak Mandarin and I looked at the bottles and transcribed some of the characters and interpreted and translated them, said Quina Li, a grade 10 student who initially volunteered to take a stock of the Heritage Museum and Archives object collection. Quote, we had to go in and record what was there, and Quina was helping with that when we came across the boxes filled with glassware, said Museum and Archives curator Alex Cote. A Ladysmith local is the leader of a nationwide project which showcases resilience and innovation in the art sector during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Cultural Resilience, Using Innovation to Stabilize in Times of Crisis project is led by the Creative City Networks of Canada in partnership with the Canadian Commission for UNESCO, Les Arts de la Ville and the Cultural Human Resources Council. Phase one of the two-phase research initiative saw the release of a special report which featured 29 stories of resilience in the art sector during the pandemic. 
It's really interesting to go through a process like this and give voice to people who are experiencing this pandemic and particularly the art sector and large parts of the live performing art sector that have suffered so immensely, said Kathleen Darby, CCNC Executive Director and Ladysmith Local. I feel really grateful that we have been able to give voice to some of the people who have still tried to keep us all sane throughout this pandemic. The CCNC is an organization that represents municipal cultural workers, those who are employed by municipalities and who are working in arts and culture. After the pandemic forced the organization to cancel its annual summit two years in a row, Darby decided to seek funding for a new project that would get really right into the grassroots of what people on the ground, whether they are artists or art organizations or historical organizations like a museum, what are they doing in order to weather the pandemic and how are they doing it, she said. The project used storytelling to highlight 200 artists and arts organizations across Canada. The idea was to look for stories of innovation, whether that be digital or analog innovation, and there was a focus point of those stories. So they would either have to be stories where the organization maintained its audience, or even if they weren't able to maintain their audience, they grew their audience in some way, Darby said. The CCNC hired Hill Strategies Research to put together the phase one report, highlighting 29 of the stories. It aimed to show how Canadian organizations reimagined what they offer when faced with the pandemic's limiting influence and found their reach could be more than they expected geographically and demographically. Amidst multiple crises and challenges that society continues to face, the report showcases the innovative ways that artists and arts, culture, and heritage organizations have found to not only survive but thrive through their creativity and resilience, said Rhoda Muse, Secretary General of the Canadian Commission for UNESCO. This fills me with hope and inspiration. This work reminds us that the arts nourish our communities and help us confront difficult times together with courage and open hearts. 10 Vancouver Island stories were told as part of the project and one was highlighted in the report. The Carving on the Edge Festival in Tofino was one of the 29 highlighted stories. Stories were chosen through a nomination process according to Darby. She noted the project does not reflect all innovation that happened in the sector during the pandemic. Phase two of the project will be a professional development program with tool-based training. The third phase will be using the findings from the project to create policy recommendations for different levels of government to help support arts and culture. The project was funded partly through a strategic initiative grant from the Department of Canadian Heritage Cultural Investment Fund. It was estimated to be a 350,000 project, according to Darby. She said half came from the federal grant and the rest was from private partners. To stay up to date on breaking Muse news, follow our Twitter at BC Museums ASSN. And if you would like your Muse News to be shared on this podcast, email the BCMA at museumassn.bc.ca. Thank you and good night.